Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close, I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we gain no value to haters. Now they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Roger, let me ask you a question. How, how, how do you view India? The, the DNA, the DNA. I'm not talking about like, I'm talking the DNA of India. Who is India to you? I, I can't even answer the question. I don't have an impression. I've never been there. I don't know. I, I guess what I'm asking for, like, they just did they just pass up China in total population? I think I just saw a report a couple weeks ago. Either they're there or they're about to pass up China because the average age in India right now is 27. The average age in China is 38.4 years old. So oh, wow. China's getting older and India's getting younger because China, India doesn't have a, you know, one child family policy. India's like, keep making the babies, right? And China's now realizing we made a big mistake. We kind of need the younger generation to lead an innovation. So, India, Apple is now moving a lot of its manufacturing, chips, all of that to India gradually without offending China because China could fully disrupt uh, Apple's business if they turn on Tim Cook. So, Tim Cook's, I believe Tim Cook is doing it very subtly and say, no, China, we're still going to make chips with you. We're just moving 25% to India. No, no, China, we're going to make chips with you. We're just moving 50%. If China all of a sudden thinks that they know he's going to move 100% away from China, I think China is going to make a disruptive move. But here's where I'm going with this. The U.S. companies are sitting there saying, where can we build the things that we need to build? Biden's speech, he talked about how in U.S. we used to make 40% of the chips. Now we make 10%. Yep. We saw a statistic a couple of years ago during COVID that the used car prices doubled all of a sudden because China was producing 80% of the chips. That one, Asia was producing 80% of the chips. I think it was China, Indonesia. I think it was like a few countries that were yeah, doing 80%. Taiwan. If you remember that statistic, right? We've all seen that. So now the fear is if we go in bed with India, what is the history with India? And again, I'm not asking because you said I don't have a, a thought on it. I wonder what so, – so, for example, a carrier, insurance carrier I used to do business with, big company, you know who they are, very big company. They approached us. We signed a contract. Okay, We go to their city. They invite us down. I meet all the executives, all the C-suites. It's a great experience. We can do a lot of business together. A direct competitor of mine has a meeting. In their meeting, they tell them, if you don't drop your contract with them, we won't do business with you. Those guys were bigger than us. Okay, The following Monday, a big player come to, comes to us from that company, the one that we signed a contract with. They fly out with their lawyers. And they said, we need to meet with you with our lawyers. The only time insurance carriers come and meet with the CEO with lawyers is because they're terminating the contract. Mm. So I say, no problem. Let's go to my office. So we go into my office. I'm sitting there with my chief compliance officer, my, and a couple other guys. And you see this guy says, we're here to terminate the contract. I said, what's your cause? We just don't think this relationship's going anywhere. I'm like, very weird. You have to have, like, placement isn't good or this isn't good. In this case, we've had it where our placement wasn't good and we lost the contract. In this one, we didn't have. So I said, but I want to hear a reason. Now, I know the reason because I know the CEO of the other company gave a speech. And that speech, a guy that was in the room came to our company. And he called me and he says, hey, just so you know, in a recording, in a, in a speech, this is what this person said to you about you. So I said, so you don't have a reason? No, we just don't think this relationship's going anywhere. No problem. That guy who came and terminated the contract is no longer with the company. The guy above him, his boss, just reached out this week. He wants to have a meeting with me one-on-one. We're going to have a conversation, take it and sit down and talk. I decide whether I want to do business with this guy or not. To protect the relationship in the way we write up the contract is to make sure you can't suddenly within a week terminate my contract. you got to give me a two-year, uh, what do you call it, run rate before you terminate, Right. The only concern I have is if America locks onto another nation to be our number one provider for chips or technology or resources, we have to be careful to not strengthen India in such a way that years later they become the next China 2.0 and it's 2035. Now India's bullying America and we're saying, shit, we created the next monster. So if you go back and you think about the deal that Nixon struck with China, and what U.S. has done with China the last five decades, 
How different approach would we take with a country like India to make sure we don't turn them into a, another country that bullies us because they know they own us? Well, I think it would require having a president who says, perhaps we shouldn't be making our chips outside the United States. Yeah. Perhaps we shouldn't be making our most important pharmaceutical drugs outside the United States. Isn't the best way to keep control of these industries and to provide economic opportunities for Americans to build these things here. So why are we outsourcing them? Oh, is it because the labor there is cheaper? Yes, but the national security implications are, are obvious. Uh, add to that that countries like China, but specifically China, are systematically buying up all the natural minerals, like cobalt, things that we need to build chips uh, and to build uh, other technology. Uh, I think that this is where the policy of America first uh, and returning these uh, national security sensitive industries back to the United States is absolutely key. And So my short answer is I wouldn't be making the chips in China or India. I'd be making them here. Well, here's, here's a challenge, though, with that. Who brought Toyota to America? Who brought Toyota to America? Remember when we're like, wow, you know, competition in America is only who? GM against Chrysler against, you know, obviously same thing versus Ford and this, this, that. I was like, no, we should let Toyota in. So this is when, uh, if you remember Milton Friedman's old videos, when Toyota came into America, <coughs> hey, let's let them compete. What did Toyota force Ford and other companies to do? Improve. Make cheaper cars and improve because Toyota was producing a good car for middle America. So we helped Toyota blow up into what Toyota became because if U.S. sells Toyota, guess what? Other people sell it as well. So we allowed BMW. We allowed Mercedes. We allowed all these other guys to compete against the other car makers. Who won? Realistically, the, the U.S. citizens won because we forced Ford and a lot of other guys to compete to produce a better car. Fine. But, but we didn't stop making Fords and Chevys in the United States. Exactly. We didn't stop making them. But here's kind of where I'm going with that. I agree. Today... I have 10 engineers in my office in Dallas, but I also have 10 in India, okay? You, the engineers I pay here, let's just kind of throw a number out there. If they're 150 here, they're 50 in India. So, so what they'll do is these technology consulting firms will come to you and they'll say, we can do the same work for you, but you have to pay 150. With us, you only pay 100 grand a year for these guys. So they take the split between the... The salary, salary they pay them, which is a 50-50, they keep the 50, they have to deal with the HR, and they get the project done. So, hey, the next sprint is going to require 293 hours for this upgrade. It's going to cost you this much. The next sprint, and anyways, we do the math with that. So as long as um, labor is going to be cheaper in India, in you know other places, the capitalist is going to find a way to save money by using those resources. Because for, for Apple... To build an iPhone chip in India versus America, Roger, the numbers, the, the person's gonna say, Oh, you wanna buy an iPhone and build it in America? No problem, it's 2500 bucks. I don't wanna pay, that's crazy, exactly, because the labor's expensive here, but the labor's cheap in India. So, it, and then the alternative is to say what? Well, you can't build it anyway, it's gotta be in America. Then the average American takes a hit. I can't afford to buy this. So, it's a very much of a tight, cyclical, cycle that we're all need this is why china knows america needs china right now we can't step away from them dramatically all i'm saying is we're leaving china that resignation from china is coming may take five years may take 10 years may take 15 years it's coming okay when it does we have to deploy it elsewhere for 5 10 15 20 years one of those places is going to be india how do we do that to make sure when we give all this business to india they don't all of a sudden become the next enemy we're dealing with 10 20 years from now that's the question. So I think I think kind of to go back off of what Roger mentioned earlier that Nixon wasn't necessarily the one that that caused China to become China what it is. I think there's a lot of mistakes along the along the way, and I think the biggest thing that we've learned here is that China can take everything that we have, but we can't send what we have to China. So as long as India doesn't just close off to itself, where it says, "Okay, we're gonna now." take your Facebook and we're going to call it India Facebook. Or we're going to take your this and we're going to call it this. Then, as long as you have some where there's a big open where not only is America itself a market for consumption, but also we produce and we sell things to Europe and all the other places where, as where China is a, they produce for themselves and then they produce for the rest of the world. So as long as you're able to have it go both ways, then I don't think there's as much of worry of that as what we face with China. 
where even if if you invest in China, you can't take the money out. If you do, all the limitations are on and the that, way and out. And that's where I'm going. Yes. And that's where I'm going. Then, then I think the structure on how we broker that deal needs to be in place before we deploy all this business to yes. them. Let's 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 put a deal together. Yes. Here's so, what the deal has so to be. So there's there's a really interesting thing yeah. actually that they did in Norway was when in 19 in uh, December 23rd 1969 I'm pretty sure when they found oil in Norway. Uh, what they did was that American companies had gone into a lot of other countries and basically just done private, bought the land, brokered a deal, uh, had the resources, and then funneled the money out more or less, right? But in Norway, what they did was they set up a structure in terms of, like you're saying, a deal of who's responsible, who gets what, right? So in this case, there was a lot of help and assistance from America where obviously ConocoPhillips, Shell, a lot of these companies made a lot of money, Exxon, you name it. But at the same time, they also helped educate the Norwegian engineers so that so that over time they'd learn how to do it. And the, the deals and the licenses were set up in a way where Norway as a country also benefited vastly from the resources as well as the private companies that came in to develop and help uh, essentially get the oil out of the ground. So, Pat, what would you put in a contract like that? What what You know about stuff like this. What type of ironclad stipulations would you put in so something like a, a China doesn't come up come about where it's not, it's not too aggressive on our side, but... You know, make sure that this doesn't happen. Yeah, What's I mean, you, here's here's how I look <clears throat> at these things. I don't know is the number one answer mm-hmm. because I need to see the deals. But in if if I'm selling my company to his private equity firm, okay, and they're coming in, or if I'm selling twenty percent to him, fifty percent to him, fifty five percent to him, or hundred percent to him, right? You're gonna have twenty different uh, deals that you're negotiating. Okay, twenty different markers you're negotiating. Board seats, he wants three out of five. Hell no. You get one out of five because if he's got three out of five, they can fire me. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I don't care about three out of five because he's buying 60% anyway. So who are you to say, no, he can't have three out of five? How about we make four out of seven? I get three, you get four. I still have those three in there. Let's not make it five. Let's extend it to seven. Okay, I don't care. I'm still fully in control. All right, there's the price. There's a dollar. There's my commitment afterwards. There's a non-compete. How long do you want me to not compete? If I'm selling the company to you, do I have a two-year non-compete, five-year non-compete, 10-year non-compete? There's 20 things that you negotiate, right? First thing I would do is I would go to the guys that have done the deals with all these other countries and say, what are the 20 points? Let's put them all out. And I'm going to tell, tell me the history of the deals where we won the most. Tell me the deals that we had where they won the most and why. So China won 90% to the point of us winning. They won a lot. And we gave them way too much control. COVID exposed the hell out of how much U.S. relied on China to even make the shots, the vaccine. All this, it was just a very ridiculous thing that COVID exposed on how much China. Once you get those things, then you sit there and say, hey, India, here's what we're willing to do. If not, guess what you do? Well, whether you do it or not, we're going to let Apple produce the stuff here. Really? No problem. Anything Apple sells that's made in India, it's going to be a 25% tax on an Apple. Go ahead. So forget about putting it on you. We're going to put it on Apple so they can't come to India. Oh, you can't do that. That's our number one customer. No shit, it's your number one customer, but they're out of America. Mm. So let's have this kind okay, okay, America, I understand what you're saying. Of course you understand what I'm saying. Let's do a deal where long-term you understand we brought this business to you. Wait a minute, Pat. Who wrote your, your remarks? Was it Donald Trump? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, I was, was going to say I was going to say Pat, two thousand twenty-four. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, but by the way, that's what was attractive about him yep. doing the deals with the people that he did. Do you know who speaks like that? Do you know who speaks like that? Who speaks like that? Operators. A person who runs a company. A person who operates a military. A person who operates a team. A person who's in it that's dirty, ugly, nasty. Not a politician. They don't speak like that. Because politicians like, yeah, I got you a deal. Yeah. I got you a deal. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'll uh, see you at the country. What he always used to say is that uh, the other countries send, send killers to the negotiating table. We send social workers. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and he's, he, this goes all the way back to 1988 where he's saying, wait a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm for free trade, but I'm also for fair trade. Your markets have to be open to our products as well as vice versa. Uh, and this is also why he opposed these one-size-fits-all trade agreements uh, in favor of doing an individual deal with Germany and a different individual deal with France and an individual deal with any nation, uh, which makes a lot more sense, rather than this one-size-fits-all, TPP, uh, and so on. 
So uh, I think it's about reciprocal rights. I mean, you would not want to put yourself in a situation vis-a-vis, say, India, where we're moving jobs and business there, but their markets are closed to our goods and services. Oh, Roger, oh, I've been in the financial business for 20 years. There's insurance companies who go to on their floors, all the engineers. I'm not going to name them, but I've been to most of them. I say, yeah, we got 300 engineers here. Really? Yeah, what are you recruiting from, MIT? Nope, IIT. IIT? Yeah. What's IIT? Where's IIT based out of? India. IIT is officially a better school at producing engineers than MIT. I don't know if you've ever seen this exercise they did. <laughs> it's, it's pretty epic. They take a battery, a wire, and all these basic things, and they go to an MIT Institute graduate, and they say, hey, here, put this together. They're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Then they go and do the same thing at an IIT Institute graduate. They put this, oh, this is easy. We learned this in our first year, and they put it together. And then they said, as good as MIT is, IIT is passing these guys up. I spoke at their university in uh, Mumbai. I don't know what year it was. 5,000 people were in the audience, and you can see the hunger in these guys' eyes, and they're all about technology, you know, <clears throat> innovation, all of that. So I think these guys are going to be the next China. They're a little bit more reasonable. They're a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, they also have a history of issues and problems. Their enemy is Pakistan and a few other guys, yep. neighboring people that they have. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> anytime a company, you would much rather negotiate with a company when it's worth a billion dollars than when it's worth a hundred billion dollars. I think U.S. has to start negotiating now before it's too late and they say, no, we don't want to negotiate with you. That's all I'm saying. Uh, this whole podcast, just so you know, Roger, if you didn't know, was really an India podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this was not a State of the Union podcast. Yeah. I'm glad you came very prepared. Okay, let's go to the next topic. Go to uh, uh, Vinny's favorite singer, performer, Sam Smith, if he can show oh, that. Uh, so good. The tweet uh, with the uh, recent Grammys. I know you guys were all watching it very closely. So Sam Sw- Smith uh, tweets this out, okay? This is going to be special, Grammys, Okay. And he posts a picture. And by the way, if you saw his performance, it was just like uh, 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 Little Nas X. And it's, it's something yes. that it's very provocative. You get a lot of eyeballs and all this other stuff. CBS responds and says, you can say that again. We are ready to worship. This is not CBS Sports. No. This is not CBS Spoops. underscore Larry Jackson's account. No. Okay, That's got a CBS and it's a bot. This is... This CBS account with a yellow badge next to it, not even blue, because when you're media, they, they give you that little yeah. check mark right there. How do you how do you look at this, Kai, when you see something like this? You're, so the reason why I'm asking you is the following. How old are you, Kai? I'm 24. Okay, 24 years old. The person that probably tweeted this it's probably my age. is probably your age, Which right? is insane. Which is insane. For sure. Yeah, now, it's wild. Now, to have something like that going out, how number one. How bad of a look is that on CBS? Horrible. Okay. So so horrible in what way? Like, I mean, is this thing going to be like it's going to go away, you know, sweep under the rug? I, think, and then you I move- think just like Roger said earlier in terms of the news cycles are so yeah. quick here that, yes, this is one of those Done. things. It's going to be a, it's going to be really bad for another 24 hours, and then the world's going to move on. Nobody's going to care. Yeah. That's really where things are at at this point. And that's that's how well, – so, so the people that do mess up, that make these big mistakes, and, you know, from getting arrested to doing things like this, there's so much information, and their attention span is so short. that Like, mind you, the guy did a satanic – music video live on this thing worshiping the de- he was the devil and then cbs is saying yeah we're here to worship they're obviously not talking about christianity which whatever your religious belief is but there's a they don't care they're out in the open but like you said this story after today nobody's going to talk about it no you know what uh, I mean? uh, until you have some other hollywood spectacle in which they uh, essentially raise satanism which which will happen of course um it's the most important thing to come out of the grammys i was completely and totally justified in including Harry Styles in my 14th annual international worst dressed list. <laughs> Did you see what this guy was? I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, Did you so, pull it up? Like yeah. You didn't like his style? Uh, you don't like don't, how he dresses? Well, here's the thing. Four or five years ago, he was on the best dress. I mean, he dressed like yeah. a crooner. He was wearing, yeah. you know, cool button-down yeah. suits. And he, but Which one? That one right there? This one looks like a clown suit, the thing that he <laughs> wore. Man. That one? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that one. <laughs> That you don't one. like that one. Mm, I, would you? Would you? I can't see you in that pattern. <laughs> you know what? It would be very weird if I wore something like that. I mean, and, I just, and, 
you know. And Roger, here's my here's my question to all of you. Do you guys like is this just like that just like that performance type situation? The same thing with CBS. Are they doing it for the eyeballs? Pat, and just because think about it. Not only we're talking about it. I was at the supermarket. Somebody else was like. Did you see his – people were talking about it, and now you're looking at him. There's eyeballs, more followers, more people. Or is it just – oh, sure, because you know, like, you're, you're watching a satanic performance, and then the, the people like wearing outfits like that. It's like, what is it just for the attention? By the what way, you think? can you please sh- go back 30 seconds, and uh, 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 Eric, if you're in the back, actually play this. Put the screenplay. Just let, let it play, and just the performance he's got. You know, they're doing what they're doing. Okay. And then watch at the end. Okay, and they're going to go to commercial. They're going to cut to commercial. Ready? CBS. <laughs> watch, watch. Pfizer. Boom. <laughs> 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 I didn't even notice the that. Timing. And by yeah, the way, you look. can't make this stuff up. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and then yesterday he did talk oh. about we can't let Big Pharma pay the oh amount of money God. they yep. pay for diabetes. Many of you in here are taking the medication. They can't increase it more yeah. than thirty-five dollars. I'm like, listen, you're calling out Big Pharma, but you know, I don't know what percentage of CNN's money comes from Big Pharma. Yeah. I don't know what percentage of these big media companies' money comes from Big Pharma. What do you mean you're calling those guys out? So bash them while you're giving a speech, but behind closed doors, take their money. Of course. And that and how 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 awesome is this? Pfizer, and we're talking about attention spans. The James O'Keefe, the Project Veritas thing came out where one of the directors of research or whatever is like, oh, yeah, we're, we are in-house mutating uh, COVID just to make people have to buy and pay for new vaccines. And then look, and then Pfizer just shows up and people forgot about that story. What's already. crazy is Pfizer pulled all of their advertising from Twitter when Elon Musk bought it back in November. So they felt that Twitter and Elon Musk was a danger to society, but then we can have Satan worship on the Grammys. Oh, yeah, exactly. But, but what's, I guess, more interesting is that who, who was watching that performance found that entertaining. I just don't... I mean, it's just... It's not entertaining. It isn't. It really isn't. Who was... Who was Roger, I apologize for my uh, generation on behalf of all of us. (laughs) But I will tell you, though, who was the guy uh, um, that they called him Mensch? He wrote a book, and we were going to... Super Mensch. He wrote a book called Super Mensch. He lives in uh, uh, Hawaii today. What's Shep Gordon? You know who Shep, Shep Gordon oh, is? He did the documentary on Yeah, Netflix. by the way, Amazing. fascinating guy, Shep Gordon is. Do you know about his story, what he did? So he he's signed a lot of different people. Shep is a... Uh, 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 Kai, you would enjoy studying this guy. He was around during uh, Jimi Hendrix and all these guys. He was all their managers and oh, stuff, he right? He goes and stays at a hotel. He's moving to L.A. because he wants to get into the Hollywood business. At the hotel he's staying at, Jimi Hendrix is staying there. A bunch of guys are staying that are not a big name yet. And they say, well, I need representation. He chooses to represent them. And he's working with one of the uh, heavy metal guys that he finds. And who is it, man? Let me find uh, the, the, the dark. The, the, the crow. He looks like a crow. Yeah. What is dark their hair. name? What is their name? Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper. Alice okay. Cooper. So he he gets he represents Alice Cooper. He says, Alice, here's what you got to do. He says, cut the neck off this chicken and let the blood uh, pour onto your face. And I'm telling you, you're gonna blow up. He says, what the hell are you talking about? He says, can you just trust me? Here's the chicken. Break the neck yeah. and let the blood pour on. He says, are you serious? He says, you hired me. Just trust me. So anyways, obviously he listens to him. Put the pictures of Alice Cooper and the chicken. (laughs) Can you do Alice Cooper, chicken, and then blood? Uh, uh, Type in uh, blood as well right next to it. If Tom was here, he would told the story much better than I would. Just put blood. That gothic, crazy Uh, uh, look. uh, Right there. Yeah, so they they take right there, chicken to the left. You see that? So he cuts the chicken's head off. The blood is right there. He breaks the neck and blood all over the place. What happens is everybody talks, talks about, about it, it. Yeah. and everybody wanted to go yep. to his next concert, and he becomes a sellout. Okay, all the concerts sell out. So there is a part of it where it's like you know, it's a shock factor thing that you do, but it's just getting really old because you know I, I can't think of the last time I watched the Grammys. I don't know if people yeah. tune into it like the way they did before. No. Anyway, so there's Shep Gordon for you. Let's go to the next story. Next story is about. Uh, uh, the the recession. So will it happen? Will it not happen? But there is a bank that is talking about, here we go. The CEO of America's second largest bank is preparing for a possible U.S. debt default. This is a CNN story. Congress is once again bickering about raising the debt ceiling. The amount of money the U.S. government can borrow to pay its bills on time. And that means that corporate America has to be ready for the worst. 
The CEO of Bank of America, America's second largest bank, said he hopes lawmakers resolve their issues uh, because the market and economy love stability, yet defaulting on the country's debt remains a possibility that cannot be ignored. We have to be prepared for that, not only in the country, but in other countries around the world. Bank of America CEO Brian uh, Moynihan said, you hope it doesn't happen, but hope it's not a strategy, so you prepare for it. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has already warned Congress that the country could default on its financial obligations as soon as June if the debt ceiling is not raised before then. What are the chances that the debt ceiling is not going to be raised? Zero. 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 Yeah. They do this every Every time, yeah, every, every time, time it's the same yeah, conversation. Yeah, it's a kabuki dance. There's no, there's no question about it. But uh, I still think in the end, though, it is uh, Chairman Powell who's going to decide whether we have a recession or not. Wow, Chairman Powell's going to decide. Yeah, the the Fed is going to decide. And and what do you think is going to happen? That you right now, Goldman Sachs just lowered the odds of a recession from what it was before to now 25% is what they... 35, yeah. From 35 to 25%. This is an insider story. According to Goldman Sachs, the odds of U.S. economy slipping into a recession has dropped from 35 to 25% over the next year. The upgrade in forecast is due to the combination of a surge in job numbers and improvement in business sentiment. A better-than-expected 517,000 payrolls were added in January, which suggests hiring is continuing despite rising inflation. Uh, but other economists are more pessimistic. Surveys by Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal have found the consensus view that there's a 65% chance of a sharp and severe downturn in, downturn in the upcoming year. What do you think is going to happen? First of all, I think these things are all manipulated, of course, because I'm a conspiracy theorist. So, <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know, but you can tell from the tone of Biden's uh, State of the Union speech that he is hoping for a soft landing. Uh, a recession would really be problematic if, in fact, he gets to run for re-election. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think the different. I think the odds of the recession are somewhere in between. In other words, I'm not sure they're 65 percent, but I'm also not sure they're 25 percent. I think they're somewhere in the middle. 25. You don't think it's 25. You don't think it's 65. So, if you're a betting man, would you bet on it happening this year, where the announcement will be made, U.S. goes into recession? Well, first of all, they never announce it. In fact, they even when you're in the recession, they deny that you're in a recession. So uh, it's not like they make a formal announcement, but I do think you could have a, a, a substantial slowdown in the economy, yes, more, more than what we've seen. I definitely agree on terms of that. And obviously, unless they edit the definition for recession. Well, they, they did what the White House did when it was exactly. two quarters of negative exactly. growth. They're no. like, no, 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 we didn't say that. They right. changed the Wikipedia right. definition. They're like, yeah. no, no, we didn't. That's Look it up. Yeah, it's, it's a new thing. Like, for give you an example, vaccination. To me, that that used to mean that well, you take this and you're you, you, you're protected from being infected. You can't be infected. Mm-hmm. So this can't be a vaccination, then, can it? Because what do I need a booster for? Yeah. I mean, if I already had the vaccination, yeah, three, Which, four boosters. Roger, you can't I, say you don't trust science. Don't do that on this podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, okay. Dr. Fauci, is, right it, now, we respect Dr. Fauci because he is science. The place. It was yeah. such a great conversation the other day where this girl <laughs> asks me a question. She's trying to get me. We talked about this on psychedelics. Yeah. She said, yeah. why don't you try psychedelics? And she says, you trust science, don't you? And I said, define science. And she couldn't even answer it. I said, because the definition of science has changed a lot the last three years. What is science? To me, science is debate. If we can no longer have a debate then there is no such thing as science anymore. Scientists can't sit there and debate their issues on each side. So here's very weird data. I wonder if you're surprised or you're not surprised. Like, does any of this surprise you here? Single women own 2.64 million more homes than single men in the U.S. Let me me finish this article. So let me say that one more time. Single women own 2.64 million more homes than single men in the U.S., okay? On an average, women earns around 83 cents for every dollar they earn, okay, compared to a man. In the U.S., single women own a total of 10.76 million homes, whereas single men own 8.12 million. There's a difference of 2.64, and the gap is growing. In 48 out of 50 states, single women were found to own more homes. The two exceptions were North and South Dakota, which only three people lived there. And then Louisiana, Alabama, and South Carolina had the greatest share of single women homeowners. Louisiana, Alabama, and South Carolina, on average across 
the three states, single women own 15% of all owner-occupied houses, whereas single men owned 11%. Although men earn more than women on average, that is not always true for younger generation. According to new Pew Research uh, Center, younger women, women younger than 30, earn more than men in cities, including New York, D.C., and L.A. Let me read that last uh, (laughs) sentence to you again. According to Pew Research Center, women younger than 30 earn more than men. Women younger than 30 earn more than men in New York, Washington, D.C., and L.A. What do you think about this? these stats? So the first stats like surprised me a little bit, but then I kind of clicked for me where um, – remember the video we did on uh, single moms versus yeah. uh, dads that had kids? Yeah. So the far majority go with the mom, right? And at that point, who needs a house if you have kids to provide for versus no kids? So – if you kind of correlate or if you add the single mothers with kids that are taking care of them in the custody versus a single dad that's taking care of it in custody, then the crossover there, <laughs> I can see how those numbers make sense. But then, that, but then, okay, so if your argument's going to be divorce, I just pulled up the top states, 10 states with the highest rates of divorces. New Mexico is number one. West Virginia is But what two. if you never got married? What do you mean, what if you never in, got In married? terms of uh, mar- uh, kids out of wedlock or kids, you never get married. Where uh, a couple splits up, they've never had a legal yes. marriage. Then you're not divorced. You're just, we're just parting ways. Uh, so, so his house goes to her? No, he he, he never had a house. She ne- she has a need for a house. Yes. Because she has the kids. Yeah, but she's taking That's care of a kid and, and the I, I'm not saying, yes. Yeah. Then probably so, he's having a pitch in of some sort. And you make less money to be able to buy a house. But you'd also need a house in that situation more so than... I understand you need a house. Yes. Uh, it's, there's a difference between needing a house and, and affording a house. Absolutely. Affording. Yes. But who's... Like, again, that, that was where I was looking at it. In terms but of the, the more interesting thing is what about the pay inequality? What about that whole argument? Yeah. I mean, in three major cities, this is news to me. <laughs> Uh, under 30, women are being paid more, more. than men. That's, that's is that sexist. Also, is that also maybe Can you pull up that article, by the way? Just is, zoom in a little bit. Is that maybe because uh, women under 30, more of them are going to school and getting a higher education, and especially if you're in one of those three states, yeah. they're very for equality in terms of pay and equal opportunity, then you have younger people who are higher educated. I, I, by the way, I want to continue to read this article. I'm actually curious right now. Okay, so we talked about North Dakota and South Dakota. Okay, great. In Florida, Maryland, and Delaware, the difference in home ownership between single men and women was the greatest. Across the three, single women on average owned around 4.5% more homes than men. We're talking Florida, Maryland, and Delaware. There is no yeah. correlation between those three no. states. It's interesting. Women are paid less than men on average and earn 83.1% of what men earn, according to U.S. Department of Labor. The figure compares the median wage of all full-time male and uh, female workers in a country using data from 2020 and is the most comprehensive analysis of the gender wage gap to date. According to the data from National Association of Realtors in 2022, 19% of buyers for single women, whereas just 9% were single men. In 2015, single women made up 16% of the buyers, where single men made only 9%. And the gap between single women, that is very weird to look at this. So um, I, I think if you if you think about who prepares more for a rainy day, that mindset, I, I'm going to give that victory to women. Yeah. Who thinks more long-term by saying, let me at least buy a house and you know, make some kind of an investment. This is a... And if they're single, Pat, and they're dating, then they're not paying for drinks, popcorn at the movies. They're not paying for dinners. Of course they got money to buy a house. They're not out spending, you know what I mean? Because those girls, it's they're single. It's not that they're not dating. You feel me, Rob? Rob, no, Rob is, Rob is, Rob is <laughs> in love. Married Rob's married. Yeah, you're married. 12 years. Guy. That yeah, is nuts. This is a, everybody here spooked a little bit. It's an interesting like step this. for sure. Yeah. Are you still spooked, Roger, or is this making you think a little bit? I'm not, I'm not making a lot of sense out of it. <laughs> Me too. Because I'm trying to figure out why, why those three specific cities. It's very interesting. States, York, yeah, uh, Florida, why, Delaware, Maryland. Well, but also New York. L.A. L.A., DC. Washington, D.C. Yeah. I mean, Washington, D.C., the government's the biggest employer. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I can't figure out why the other two. But by the way, this is a uh, 
this is a story to, okay, men typically purchase homes that were $249,000 last year compared to women who purchased homes that were two hundred thirty. dollars It's not a big difference. Yeah. It's not even 10%. It's 5% difference. And sacrifices, women are generally more uh, uh, more likely to make included cutting out non-essential spending, taking second jobs. It's kind of like what you're talking about, canceling vacation plans. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Wow. Very interesting article. I'd love to see more stats and data uh, on uh, on this here, I'm canceling my date this weekend, Pat. You guys, she's paying for it. Um, she's paying for it because I'm looking at the houses. You're a homeowner. I'm not. You're paying yeah, for this. I don't have tonight. a house. I'm, yeah. I live in an apartment. Yeah, you're paying for this thing. Here. Okay, yeah. Chat GBT. Let's talk about what happened with Israel. Israel's president became the first world leader to publicly use Chat GBT when he gave a speech, partly written by the AI. Okay, which by the way, what a Great story for this year. Uh, what page is that on? There nice. it is. Okay. So Isaac Herzog, the president of Israel, became the first world re- leader to publicly use the technology. Herzog recorded a video message for the special opening remarks by at Cybertech Global Tel Aviv 2023 Cybersecurity Conference. It's not the underground plumbing one. This is a different one. In front of an audience of 20,000 the president then revealed that the opening section was written by ChatGPT. Wow, at least he's being honest. Before concluding that AI is not going to replace humans, the AI written section began, I am truly proud to be the president of a country that is home to such a vibrant and innovative high-tech industry. The president also used ChatGPT to end the speech with an inspirational quote. Let us not forget that our humanity is what makes us truly special. <laughs> it's not the machines. That will shape our destiny, but rather our hearts, <laughs> minds, and determination to and, create the and, brighter and, and tomorrow. And the machine wrote that. And the machine, machine wrote, wrote that. Wrote yeah. that. Yeah. that is so. How do you feel freaking. about that? How do you feel about that? I mean, for for me, I think that AI is definitely something that we've seen coming, and it doesn't surprise me. Like, obviously, I'm sure the setting of this, with it being a uh, a tech convention and stuff like that, is is very fitting, where it's kind of like a cool gimmick on that end. Uh, but in terms of if there's a speechwriter doing something that's drawing up the initial drafts or it's a, an AI or a robot, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's going to be edited. A human's going to look at it, and they're going to revise it and change it and then go from there. Maybe not. <laughs> See, I just think it's Wikipedia on steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, Somebody sent this to me last night where they asked, uh, they asked chat, what about Roger Stone? We don't comment on conspiracy theories. Wow, really? So I'm I'm already banned. Oh, that's hilarious! I mean, right right out of the box. I mean, I've written, you know, I've written five books, five Amazon bestsellers, two New York Times bestsellers, but my my, my views are too far out there for AI. And look at really and weird. look at the flip, Pat. I mean, I'm I'm a stand up. I'm a comedian. I'm not crazy well known. Somebody in the office was like, "Write me a joke in the voice of Vincent O'Shana," and it wrote a joke as me, and it was. Pretty close. Get out of here. I swear to God. I don't know. I forgot who it was, but I was like, oh my God. It's actually scary. I mean, it's exciting and scary at the same time. But it's like this is this is just recent. Imagine what's what's gonna be in like ten and, years. And the biggest danger and, and thing that's kind of worrisome, obviously what Roger Stone was inclining to there as well, is that the input is we're setting the limitations of what is considered conspiracy and we're putting they're putting that in the machine. Yeah. The machine isn't necessarily pulling from it, it's just saying what you can or can't talk about. The other thing was when they were asking about Trump versus uh, Biden on the on the chat GPT and how it was saying that uh, in terms of the questions they were referring to against uh, Biden was or Trump was, no, we can't say that. But then with Biden, it was something different. So the inputs that are being put into the machine where yeah. now people are thinking so, yeah. that this is fact or this is the way it is obviously skews the position. And that's going to be a big challenge going forward in terms of what can we let slide and what can we not Whoever's operating, if they're biased, just like you know, exactly. the Department of Justice, we're fucked. Basically, or, or, sorry for my language. Or, 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 or just like Wikipedia. Look, you go to my Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. There are so many, so, so many mistakes and there's some things that are just factually wrong. Sure, I could hire somebody to go in and change them. You know what happens? They just go back and change them of back. Of course. So if you want to know about me, don't bother looking at my Wikipedia page because almost all of it's incorrect. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you have to trust the internet because if you Google my height, type Patrick but David height, which is Can I take a wild guess? Can I take a wild Pat, guess? Are you 5'8"? Know, no, no, no. Wait, you just let, quote Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, I did. I yeah. did quote Abraham Lincoln. Go to, uh, look at this. Rob was just doing his homework right there if you guys caught height, that. Height, height, height. Go. How tall is Patrick but David? You know, how tall is Patrick but David? Which is, people always say, Pat, what, uh, 
Oh, go lower. One of them says. How tall? How one, big? Five seven. You're five, five seven. seven. Yeah. Wow. Five, you got a, a growth spurt. Oh, by the spurt? way, not only that, I'm 154 pounds. <laughs> oh wow. Well, that's okay. If you look up my net worth, it says I'm worth 24 million. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. Type in Roger Stone net worth. Please put Roger Stone and then put mine, Rob, when you're done with this. You're right. Please. Twenty million dollars for 20. Roger Stone. <laughs> Rob, what would you say mine is? What would you say? Mind you, I have thirty dollars. Yeah. I'm actually I'm curious to see what Vincent O'Shaughnessy net worth would be. Watch this, Pat. Three to five million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Is that really what it says? O'Shaughnessy three yeah. to five. I definitely Vinny, don't have. Why any... are you keeping all this money? Yeah. Away from why us? are you holding yeah. that on us? Because I'm trying to catch up to the girls that are next buying week, houses. You're paying for lunch. I got you. Okay. Yeah, so let's let's dollars. talk about this next. So I think you may have some things to say on this one. Uh, 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 page twelve. Okay. Trump reacts to Haley. DeSantis, and other presidential 2024 rivals. This is an Epoch Times story. Former President Donald Trump commented on the possibility of former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and other Republicans challenging for the GOP 2024 nominations in an interview with radio host Hugh Hewitt. Uh, he stated that Haley called him and asked about it, and he told her to follow her heart. Haley has previously stated that she would never run if Trump runs. However, he says she is ambitious, and he told her she could run if she wants. The South Carolina Senator Tim Scott is also said to be considering a bit when asked if he would support the Republican candidate in 2024, even if it's not him. Trump said it would depend. He also claimed that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis owed his election to him. He also stated that Jared Kushner, the husband of his daughter, Ivanka, won't be involved in his efforts to secure his presidency. Um, so what, what, part of, what part of it do you want me to respond to? Well, I'll ask the specific question. I think it's the only one that uh, uh, today we're having a conversation with, at school. And we're talking to our friend Rob that I was telling you about this morning on the podcast. So if it comes down to these guys going up, you know politics, you've been around, you know the, the fun side, the clean side, the ugly side. There isn't any sides of it you don't know about over the last however many decades you've been a part of it. Trump against DeSantis, okay? Trump has already poked a couple times. DeSantis has came up and said, look, I'm going to let my record do the talking for me. Uh, he won by 34,000. I won by one and a half million. We're winning Miami Day and all this other stuff. Trying to say that a lot of people are talking about me every morning I wake up. How do you view this yourself from Trump against DeSantis? Trump is okay with Nikki Haley running because she may make a good vice president candidate one day, possibly. But there seems to be a little bit of a discomfort with DeSantis. How do you process that? Well, first of all, uh, what Trump said is true. Uh, Ron DeSantis does owe his, owe his rise in American politics to Donald Trump. 67 of 67 Republican county chairmen in this state endorsed Adam Putnam for governor, the agriculture commissioner. Every single Republican in the state legislature, including the Senate president and the House speaker, endorsed Adam Putnam, every member of the congressional delegation with the exception of Matt Gates, uh, And Putnam was far ahead in both money and the polls. It is only the tweeted endorsement of Donald Trump that turbocharges the candidacy of Ron DeSantis. So I think the president feels uh, that DeSantis now challenging him, particularly after Trump had to come here uh, in the 2018 election and essentially dragged DeSantis over the finish line, won by 30,000 votes, um, he, he does see it as a personal act of treachery, uh, as an act of disloyalty, and he's unhappy about it. And Donald Trump's never shy about telling you how he feels about things. Mm -hmm. um, the other point people miss is, sure, DeSantis did win, but Donald Trump got 1.2 million more voters in Florida in 2020 than DeSantis got in the most recent election. So uh, I do think there's going to be a contest, but I think the reason that Trump seems to be propping Nikki Haley up is Trump is probably sitting at a base in the party, which is very intense, of somewhere around 45, 48 percent of the vote. There's another 20 percent that he could get, but his hard base is somewhere between 40 and 50. Uh, and in a multi-candidate field, he's in much stronger shape. In a one-on-one -on -one race, you know, DeSantis, in all honesty, is untested as a presidential candidate. Uh, is How a big, big of a difference is that? So, so for example, for somebody to be a, a, a very, very good candidate as a governor who during COVID he did very well. And you remember when the feedback that I think Obama got from Emmanuel where he says, look, you're not going to get a lot of chances to be as on fire as you are today. you got to run, even though everybody was telling Obama not to run after the DNC speech. All the, He was on fire. He says, you're not going to get this again. you got to run. 
I am sure the similar type of Rahm Emanuel's of the right who are more DeSantis are saying you're not going to be hotter than you are today. The, between now and four years from now, a lot could change. You have to run. How do you address that, that he is the most hottest governor, yet the difference uh, between being a governor and a president, what's the big difference? Uh, I see why he's doing what he's doing. I'm not, I'm not defending it because I, I think he could afford to wait. But I also must tell you that he's untested at this level. I mean, he does very well in Florida, but that's yeah. where you control the microphone. He doesn't do well uh, in a uh, in a, a wide-ranging, uh, uh, uncontrolled atmosphere, particularly when it comes to interviews. Uh, you very rarely see him smile. He doesn't. He does not seem to like people. He seems to me to be an introvert in an extrovert's business potentially. Um, and, and how he's going to wear as a candidate, mixing with the pig far farmers uh, in Iowa, uh, or the guys who grow ma maple syrup, you know, in in, in New Hampshire, that re that remains to be seen. Uh, I also think that it's kind of early. I mean, I think he's at his high water mark right now. It's very early to peak this election, as you pointed out earlier, twenty two months ago, uh, twenty month, twenty two months from now. Yeah. And also, people are going to be going to want to go back and look at the record. So. He said, for example, he would ban the teaching of CRT in the schools in Florida. Mm -hmm. Well, right here in Broward County, they have just adopted a curriculum from the ADL, which includes the teaching of CRT. And there's 13 other counties. So he's got a lot of pledges that were very popular in MAGA world that he made at the end of the last election. And he's going to be held to those. Uh, and I, I think it's so therefore it's not necessarily clear sailing. Um, he is going to run. We talked about it here last time I was here, as a matter of fact. He is going to run, uh, but you're getting in a cage match, uh, you know, with a very tough guy. Um, and I still think at the end of the day, uh, Trump would uh, would defeat him. Do you see what Megyn Kelly said? Did you hear what Megyn Kelly said? Megyn Kelly said there is no way DeSantis can beat Trump. He says Trump's only going to need 30%, and his MAGA crowd alone, that 30% is a lock. She said it's not even a good opportunity for DeSantis to run. I'm paraphrasing what she said about this. And I said, but okay, let's just say you do run, DeSantis. And let's say you do beat Trump. Actually go there that you do beat Trump. What is Trump going to do? Is Trump going to say, okay, MAGA crowd, go and vote for DeSantis? That's the point she made. And then the second thing she said, which is a very valid point as well as the following. What, what is the likelihood of Trump... Say he loses, mm -hmm. let's say 10% chance, 20% chance, whatever the number everybody is saying, he loses to DeSantis. Okay. okay? And now DeSantis is the Republican nominee. What is the likelihood that DeSantis, Trump in a situation like that says, oh, really? That's what you guys want to do? No problem. I'm going to run as a third party. Yeah. Oh, I think that, I, I think he would do it. What's the likelihood of him doing uh, very, that? Very, very, very unlikely. 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 Okay. First of all, because of, the, uh, because of the enormous legal barriers to getting on the ballot in 50 states, legal and financial barriers. Remember, we're not talking about a third-party candidate. So you're not the party of the you're not the candidate of the Libertarian Party yeah. or the Green Party. So it's an extremely expensive, legally extraordinarily complicated uh, and difficult thing to just get on the ballot. And if you have participated in the Republican nominating process, uh, and let's just say hypothetically you're not successful. Well, the deadlines have passed for you to also compete as an independent because yeah. they pretty much, by and large, have the same deadlines. Remember this. Ballot access, all election laws, are written by Republicans and Democrats working together against any kind of competition, both extra-party and intra-party. So uh, uh, Trump could bluff, I guess, and he's done it in the past. But um, why would he leave the Republican Party? He is uh, he has transformed the party into the party of working class people. Um, I think she I think Megyn Kelly uh, understates the level of his support. But what she doesn't understate is the intensity of his support. Trump supporters are not voting for yeah, anyone no else. But the that. other thing about Trump, though, as a candidate is he has makes a lot of people go out and vote against him, just like he has the devotion of the people that are he, part of his crowd. He's also very good at uh, basically having people vote against him. He's very polarizing. Yes. Yep. Uh, just like, say, oh, I don't know, uh, Joe Biden. Yeah, big time. Okay, so let's let's do this. And uh, you had final thoughts before we wrap up? I just have no, one thought ahead. here before we finish yeah, up. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'll read it. Were you going to no, say well, something? I, I was just going to say one thing, Pat. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, though, but if, like you said, for some reason, whatever percentage he does lose, 
that is going to hurt the Republican Party yeah. greatly because that whole MAGA voting <laughs> crowd will not vote for Santis. Like, and I'm, I'm, I want to know your point. And then so that gives the Democrats such an advantage uh, at that point, especially if he has that hardcore diehard fans. They're not going to just go, okay, we'll just take DeSantis. And Trump has, has a proven ability to get votes in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, who didn't vote for John McCain, didn't vote for Mitt Romney. Uh, these are these are not country club Republicans. Yeah. Uh, and I think Trump's uh, appeal to those people is unique. Uh, I expect Trump to be the Republican nominee. I still think he's in very strong position. Um, were he not to be the nominee, whoever was a nominee would urgently need his support. But I just don't. I don't expect that's going to happen. And just, I, I, I think Trump is well positioned to be renowned. And last thing, who do you think? Because I'm from what we're looking, Biden's going to run. Who do you think is going to go against Biden? If you had to pick, right? If you, had, I know it's early. Uh, I still don't know that Biden finishes out his term. I mean, <laughs> how, how do we don't know how the Hunter Biden investigations? There's no way to keep uh, this toothpaste in the tube anymore. So we're <laughs> going to get a full. Uh, we're going to get a full exposure to all of that. Um, uh, most of my friends who are professional Democrats, and I do have a few, mm -hmm. they really doubt uh, Biden's ability to win another election. They also have the same doubts about Kamala Harris. And I've said said it here, I think. I still believe at the end of the day, were Biden to either resign for reasons of health or reasons of political health, uh, or be removed by his own people under the 25th Amendment because he appears to be too dysfunctional to do the job, and Kamala Harris would become president, the only way you could remove a woman of color would be with a, another woman of color, mm -hmm. which is why I still believe that Michelle Obama is potentially the Democrats' strongest possible candidate. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you still believe that? I still believe yes, he that. does. Yes, I do. But, so even though she's the strongest, do you think she's willing to go with it or do it? Well, I think it remains to be seen. The more she says she's not, that's a good reason to believe that she is, of course. <laughs> yeah, she is. The more work. she says she's not? Well, I mean, Barack Obama is without any question the most influential figure in the modern Democratic Party. He's very popular and he's very influential. Uh, and we know that Joe Biden was his last choice. I mean, they tried to inflate the candidacy of Cory Booker. They tried to inflate the candidacy of... Uh, Kamala Harris. They tried to inflate the candidacy of Pete, Pete uh, Buttigieg. It didn't work. Uh, and um, I think they recognize that both their president and their vice president are weak potential candidates. Uh, but uh, look, it's all conjecture right now. Joe Biden says he's running for re-election. Last question. Crazy question here. So you know how we had a uh, celebrity run for office, Ronald Reagan. Hey, you will not believe Back to the Future. You know the actor Ronald Reagan? Yeah, he's going to be the president of the United States. What are you talking about, right? So celebrity becomes a uh, – uh, uh, now he was a governor two terms governor, and he was, he was a stag. You know, yeah. He was a president of a you – know, but at the same time, he became a president. You know, Trump became a president. Do you see anybody that's a celebrity-type name to become a president like a rock or any of those guys? Well, the, as we have now learned, one of the greatest single qualifications is to be well-known. So until Trump, all of your presidents had either been a governor, a U.S. senator, or a general. For some, you've had a business person. Mm -hmm. But not just any business person. A business person who, who assiduously fed and burnished their public image uh, you know, for, for, for 40 years. So, yes, yeah, somebody could emerge— uh, from uh, from the world of, of sports or from entertainment, but I do think Reagan's different. Reagan was a successful two year two term governor of the largest state in the country, so he didn't just jump from from Death Valley days uh, to the White House. Uh, I think that I think people are looking for that yeah. now. The difference is in a business person, whether it's Ross Perot, whether it's Donald Trump. If you build a, a billion dollar company, then people think you're qualified to run the federal government. Yeah. Somebody just did a super chat saying uh, Republicans are so soft. They let the November 2020 uh, contest slide and did absolutely nothing about it. What's the point of Second Amendment? Uh, if you're too scared to execute, don't celebrate Fourth of July. Constitution was written for this, et cetera, et cetera. This is Ivan, whoever it is. I can't say the last uh, uh, part of the name. Anyways, I mean, listen, it's a 
it, it, I think it's a very unpredictable time. We have no idea what's going to happen, but I think for in, in, in regards to politics, eyeballs, sports, like if it was a sport, I think this is a phenomenal season. Can't wait. The next 22 months I yeah. think is going to be phenomenal. I think it's going to be like a uh, what we saw with the World Cup and how much you know intensity there was in it. It's going to be similar to that. Anyways, let me comment on something that happened this week. So on Monday – uh, we we had, uh, uh, who was it? We had Roland Martin in the house. We did a podcast phenomenal. had a really good time with them. Debate, all of it was great. But certain things happened. Yesterday, a Jason Whitlock reacted to a video that he made talking about uh, uh, what we do at Value Team and calling me names, a lot of different things. And he said the fact that he was invited on Monday, it was a set up to him because we were trying to get him, et cetera, et cetera. Let me kind of read you a story, tell you the story of what happened here with Jason Whitlock. So the first time, Rob, we invited Jason Whitlock was when? Uh, I believe the first time, August of 2022. And you have the email of this. If you can zoom in so we can show the first email that went in. That's and we blanked out his email address. We just didn't yeah. want it. So this is the public. first email that goes, and it says, hey, we would like to have you on to discuss your story, et cetera, et cetera. Patrick's ad- admiration for... Jason Whitlock, I've liked this content for a long time. I think he does a good job, whether it's sports. He's got a show called Fearless with Jason Whitlock. So perfect. You send him a message. Uh, nothing happens. You send him another message. I think December of 14th, you send him another email to have him on the podcast. Correct. That's when we confirmed that he was interested in coming in. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we decided we would figure out a good date. And this is the email that he showed in the video yesterday saying the fact that they didn't tell me anything. Now, I'm going to show you these emails so everybody knows because he showed the emails himself as well. Uh, thanks for getting back to me. The interview would cover Jason's career at ESPN, The Blaze, his show Fearless, da 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 Great. This is the email he showed yesterday, which the date on this is December 14th, right? Yep. Then after this, we schedule a time for him to be on the podcast on February 16th. Correct. Then you get back to him because February 16th, I'm either speaking in Vegas or Orlando next week. I have travel. So we asked to see if we can do it on another date. Simultaneously, when we're going back and forth, the Tyree Nichols uh, uh tragic event takes place so i say i'd love to have somebody come in to have a show and preferably let's have a panel to be a debate from both sides of the house somebody that says hey even though the five cops were black you know it's still a a systemic racism somebody that says no it's not so we can have good banter there you reach out to a list of names one of them being roland martin Roland Martin confirms with you when? February, uh, I believe, 6th. Well, yeah, he said he was going to be in town February 6th. Which is this Monday, yes. this past Monday. Correct. Okay, so you do that. Then you go back to Jason Whitlock and you ask him if he can do it on February 6th as well. Well, we initially offered him a few dates to yeah. see if he could come at a different time because you were not going to be here for the 16th. He didn't respond back, so then I sent a follow-up email and said, hey, we have limited dates because the other dates were booked with other guests. Could you do this date, which happened to be Monday, February 6th? And from there, he agreed, and I sent the next email if you want me to show it. So before you show the other sure. email, this is the criticism that he gave to us that I want to you know, kind of explain to the audience what happened. So both show up here on the podcast. We have Roland, who's running late, uh, a few minutes, so our driver that was driving up, Rob, if you want to talk about the driver that was driving uh, uh, Jason, you tell him, hey, since other guest is late, you don't have to worry about if you're running late, it's fine. You're going to be okay. Bring him in here. Yeah, there was no rush. Oh, Can't hear your audio. There was no. How about now? There you yeah. go. There was no rush to be here at 9 o'clock on the dot because our other guest was running late, so we're not going to be able to start at 9, so take your time getting here. Right. So then he gets here. So Jason's downstairs. Roland is upstairs. I walk up to talk to Jason to say, hey, Jason, uh, excited to have you here. Jason says, hey, beautiful building. I couldn't, you know, you guys got a big operation here. I said, thank you. I said, the panel that we're going to do the podcast with is Roland Martin. How do you feel about Roland Martin? His entire physiology completely changed. I saw him being very uncomfortable, and I didn't like that. Now, to be fair... The email that Jason didn't show his audience when he criticized us is the email he got Friday, three days before the day of the podcast, which I don't think Jason read. So let's show the email on uh, on Friday that you sent in and zoom in a little bit on this email. This email was sent to both him and it was sent to Roland Martin. Can you show the date? February 3rd. Okay. Here's the interview, et cetera, et cetera. Monday, February 6th, we'll be at the address, et cetera, et cetera. And then topics. Look at the topic. Zoom in a little bit. Panel discussion on police reform, the 2024 presidential election, the U.S. economy, and a mix of current events and trending topics. 
keyword there is what? Panel, Panel discussion on police reform. Yeah. That's what this show is about. This was on Friday. He could have said, who is the panel? Did he ever ask you who's part of the panel? No, he did not. Not once did you get a question from who's part of the panel. No, I did not. Did Roland ask you a question who's part of the panel? He did not as well. So neither one of them asked you who's part of the panel. No. No problem. So here's the thing. Dan Bongino invites me on the show to be on Fox. No problem. I go on the show to be on Fox. They say, hey, Patrick, uh, uh, we want Patrick to be on Fox to debate Bitcoin. First thing I tell Karina and Sam, I'm like, I'm not a Bitcoin guy. He says, well, Dan wants you to go out there and debate. You know, I said, who's a debate? We don't know yet. Perfect. I go on it. All of a sudden, I get an email. The person you're debating, because we ask who is the person I'm debating, is going to be Peter Schiff. We did the show. It got very good views, a lot of good feedback. It was great TV. Everybody loved it. There was strong banter. Dan Bongino won because he got eyeballs because our audience showed up. We won because we were able to get Dan Bongino's eyeballs of his audience, and they saw us. So both, it's a win-win. This is kind of what you call media. But uh, Jason goes on, and he says... They didn't tell me what it was about. They didn't tell me it was going to be showed. This was all a setup. So, again, up until this point, this is what's not been shown to everybody in his audience. I go to Jason. Jason says, there's no way I'm going to sit with this guy. He says a couple different words. He says he's stalking me on Twitter all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, okay, no problem. I don't want to make this guy feel bad because I like him a lot. I like his content. I think Jason's very necessary. I said, Jason, how about we do this? Let's just do a podcast, you and I. And then I'll do Rollins in an hour, but let's do podcast, you and I. He says, no problem. Sits in there. I come in here. I tell you guys to prepare to adjust. The moment we're about to walk out, Jason walks out. When he walks out, Mario follows him. Everybody follows him. What's going on? They want, they want to make this thing good. Hey, Pat, he's not talking to us. I walk out. I don't have any problem having a conversation. I said, Jason, what's going on? He said, hey, Jason, what, what is going on? Let's just do a podcast here together. Do you realize how much the Blaze pays me? I said, how much does the Blaze pay you? They pay me a lot of money, and I took a day from my schedule on Blaze to be here. I don't like that because I hate it when people waste my time. I don't like wasting his time. I said, what's your daily rate? I'll compensate you if that's how you feel. But there is no motive here. We said it's a panel. Mm -hmm. How do you not see that it's a panel? You're not happy to face off Roland Martin. Anyways, he's walking, walking. By the way, he crosses the street, red light. I have to stop. I said, bro, just relax. Pump the brakes. Traffic is cutting. Crosses the street. I said, can I offer anything to you? No. Can I send you a driver? No. I don't trust this. I don't trust that. He leaves. No problem. He takes off. Roland comes down. We do a podcast, fiery podcast. We do a very good job. Uh, uh, Jason talks about the fact that he needed me to go against a guy like Roland Martin because he needed somebody that can go and handle somebody like Roland Martin. First of all, neither Roland or Jason Whitlock are in the top 100 most intimidating people I've ever sat with. In my life, mm-hmm. I've sat with Samuel the Bull Gravano. I've sat with a lot of intimidating <laughs> yeah. people, very big names. I just like both Roland Martin because he likes to get dirty and fight. Mm-hmm. And I also like Jason Whitlock because he's got a complete different perspective. I probably agree with Jason more than I agree with Roland Martin on many of the policies. If you watch the podcast, it was pretty obvious for you to see it. So then he used the race card. And he said, well, uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is, he would never do this with Jordan Peterson. He's using a race card. You know, what he's trying to do is, uh, you know, he's doing this because I'm black. This is the part that's very confusing. He's a guy that p- paints himself as a conservative Republican who doesn't like when the left uses their race to act as a victim. But that's exactly what you just did, Jason. And my idea was, because I got two suggestions here. To final the, uh, finish this uh, uh, thought off, what we learned from this experience, and as well as feedback to you, Jason, to wrap this whole thing up, because I'm not going to comment on this again. Number one, what we learned from this, we will never waste our resources without telling you who's going to be part of the panel. So when Rob and I had a meeting and others, we said, let's make sure everybody knows before we buy the tickets, because it is waste of our money as well. We also lost money. So number one, we learned from our lessons, made a mistake. Next time, anytime we invite with a panel, we're going to say, here's who it's going to be before we spend the money on the flight. But I got a recommendation for you, Jason Whitlock. Your show is called Fearless. If you really want to have a show called Fearless, you either become fearless and face off with anybody to have a debate with, or you change your show's name to Fearful. But you can't say you're fearless and come to a place and then say, we have feminine energy And the person that has the feminine energy is the person that walked out and we're right here waiting for you.
So you go ahead and figure that part out the way you want. Having said that, I respect the work you've done. I think you're a super necessary voice. I had a very good time with Roland Martin. I think we would have had blast if it was the three of us, but it didn't work yet. So best of luck to Jason. This is what happened to the story that I uh, that he didn't cover with you guys when he went on a three-hour, two-hour live talking about this while I'm trying to put my kids down. Everyone's calling me. Let me tell you what you said. I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm putting my kids down right now. I'm spending time with Brooklyn yesterday, uh, and I'm having a very good conversation with my oldest son because of what we're working on with his grades. Rob, did I miss anything else from what I covered here? The only thing I would say is that in this email chain, uh, I asked, and it's not on this email here, but in a subsequent email, I asked for plugs to mention, social media handles to mention, and Jason responded to that. So he was reading the email. There's no way you could skip this portion and then answer the portion below and provide your social media handles or projects. So he did see that email because he responded to Correct. it. Correct. I did not know that. Yes. Okay. I so, mean, and then we had subsequent emails after right. that. His flight was delayed. But, I mean, it was all in the same email. So it was there for him to see. Yep. If he had asked us, we would have absolutely said, hey, here's the other panelists that we're working on lining up. So Fantastic. Anyways. The, the, the podcast with Roland Martin, there were so many other YouTube channels reacted to, the media reacted to it. I think total views were 5 or 10 million views, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, uh, those were fiery conversation, and I respect Roland Martin for sitting here. Funny story, Roland retweeted and said, if I knew I was going to be sitting down with Jason Whitlock, I would have never sat down with him. I destroyed this man a long time ago. That's so like a... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Roland just jumped in there yeah. to take advantage of the awesome. opportunity. Anyways, okay, there you have it. Uh, Roger, thanks for coming out. Thank you. This was great. Remind, As- me, remind me not to get in a fight with you. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. I had a great time with you. Uh, again, uh, Kai, it's good to have you back. Apparently, back. word on the street was you, was you were fired. So somehow you're back here. It's great to you're- see you. I had and good, we had a good negotiation. By the way, a lot of people are thinking Adam left or he's fired. It, it, it is true. Unfortunately, it is partly true. We will tell you the full story on next week's podcast. Have a great weekend. We may do one Friday. We may do a podcast on Friday. Possibly. Can't tell you yet. I have a travel uh, uh, schedule tomorrow. I'm going to, I don't know where I'm going Orlando. to tomorrow. I'm going to Orlando tomorrow. Come back. If I make it back, we'll do a podcast on Friday. If we don't, have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.